Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's episode, cannot tell you how excited I am to have Frank Zupan. Now, for those of you that know Frank, we're going to make sure that he talks because the first time I met Frank was at a Disrupt HR presentation. The very first time I saw a Disrupt HR presentation, where Frank did not say a word. I'll let him tell you what he was doing while his slides went uh, every 15 seconds if you've been to Disrupt. And man, did he make an impression on me and I've gotten to know him over the years and I'm super excited to have him on the HR Like a Boss podcast. So Fra Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me, John. I appreciate the opportunity. And I did not know that that was the first time you saw me. And that was kind of a hilarious thing that I uh, took up and was involved with for a long time, which was the Disrupt HR Local here. And that was at our first one over at Cleveland Zoo. That was, that was a lot of fun to prepare for those. And I actually did say a couple words in that presentation. On the ninth slide, I said, this one's important. <laughs> okay. So, I, I, you know what? Now that you say that, I do remember, but, but you said the least amount of words in the history of a Disrupt HR presentation. Right. I'm sure of it. Right. Yeah. I, I tried to take that approach off the table and I, and I know talking to some folks afterwards and, you know, it, Disrupt HR has kind of exploded as a, as a content format since then. That was eight years ago. I, I actually just looked up kind of that video as a joke because somebody was joking about it. I was like, how long ago was that? That was like eight years ago. That's pretty wild, isn't it? It's hard to believe. So, hard to believe. Yeah. You, yeah made an impression. Been, you made an impression for sure. And I've been you know, in HR, the people business, really my entire professional career. I've progressed from the staffing business, which is really where I entered the people business through some consulting and including my own consulting business of recruiting uh, business in the Washington DC area. And then through an interesting turn of events kind of uh, progressed into corporate HR and corporate TA leadership in various roles. And just through various companies, various opportunities, had great experiences, kind of tried to build one upon the other to bring some value, not only to my today employer, but to my tomorrow employer too, which is, I think, the best thing we can do with our experiences, right? To try to try to make them valuable to the people that you're working with today uh, and hopefully tomorrow as well. Yeah, lines. Yeah, perfectly well to my personal purpose is make an impact and make sure it's a, it's a good one and not not a bad yeah. one for sure. So make make an yeah, impact, absolutely. make a difference. We're we're on this earth for a short period of time. Might as well make it a little bit better than uh, when we got here originally. So that's well, the truth. Well, Frank, I know you have a an opinion on this because uh, for those that know Frank, uh, he certainly is uh, super effective at what he does and uh, incredibly articulate and has a, a, a very, I'll call it kind and direct way of sharing his thoughts and opinions. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show. I know he's got a following of people that are probably super excited to hear his voice. So if you haven't connected with Frank in a while, make sure to do that. He's on LinkedIn. 
Uh, you can find him occasionally on Twitter, uh, rooting for Guardians games, if I follow that correctly. And uh, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. So, so good, good, good to have you. If I can start off with uh, the first question I ask all my guests on the podcast is, how would you describe the purpose? So the, the, the reason why we do HR, what, 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 what is your perspective on that, Frank? Well, within a corporate structure, I think HR is designed to lead the people needs of the business. And that's, that's really multifaceted. So there's, there's people needs internal to the business. There's regulatory and compliance needs typically around how you manage and how you pay people. Uh, there's business needs of how you attract and acquire the people that you need to run the business. So I tend to think of HR kind of from a high level of really needing to lead the people side of the business, whatever that is, because that can progress from very small businesses of 10, 20, 30 people who might not have a full-time HR person to you know, 10, 20, 30,000 employee companies who have massive HR teams. I don't think the overall high level purpose changes. It's, it's, we have to be mindful of the needs of the business when we have to be mindful of the needs of the people. So if you can be mindful of those things, I think you can do pretty well in HR. Yeah, no, big, big proponent of, uh, you know, purpose-driven, people-centric, mindful of the business so that we understand why we're there, why we're getting paid, and how we drive impact in that respect. You put a, I don't know if you did it on purpose, but I, I loved your your um, your your em emphasis on the word lead. I think that's really critical as a, as a function, as a profession that we in HR lead, because I think at times it sometimes felt, feels like we get led uh, in, in that regard. And if, if we're, if we're effective and mindful, especially now with what's going on in the world of how difficult it is to find talent and all the, all the uproot that uh, seems to be taking place every day, I turn my news cycle on uh, we need leadership and HR is in a perfect position to do it. And, uh, it, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for him for sure to improve and, uh, figure this out. That's why I'm doing HR like a boss, try to inspire people just to do things a little bit differently than they have been doing them before. Yeah. And I think it's important to lead by example and lead by what we do within any organization rather than lead by title or lead by fiat or anything like that. So um, it, it's important because, hey, look, most, if not all businesses need people to make the businesses more successful tomorrow than they are today. Um, and you got to be able to figure that out. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, one of the things in order to, to find those great people is that HR or the town acquisition profession, I know there's some you know, delineation at times that people like to, to put in that. It's, it's It really is fascinating to me Frank, over the over my career, the number of times I've talked to HR candidates, many of many of them while running our staffing business at Willery and talking to them about what they want to do, I, I'll get this. Hey, I I really want to do this HR professional speaking, and they they say, but I really don't want to recruit. I don't like recruiting. I hate recruiting. It's not something I want to do. And I, it happened once, twice, a hundred times. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, there's a real 
unique thing here. So I'm just curious of your perspective, having been in the, the TA space for as long as you have, working with HR professionals, knowing some of the best in, 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 in the business that do what they do. Why, why do you think some HR professionals dislike recruiting so much? Well, it might be similar to their aversion to taking a sales job too. They might say, I'll do anything but sales. You know, and I, and I get that. If they don't enjoy the work, then by golly, don't do the work. Do something else. Um, but if you enjoy the results-driven, very measurable type of activity that recruiting is in almost all environments, then, you know, go do that or do part of that and do part of another. You can learn how to do recruiting and learn how to do those things while you're still driving towards a different career objective within the, the larger HR kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, system. Uh, and I've seen, I've seen successful HR people do that. Successful HR leaders take a rotation for a year or two through uh, TA. And, and I think that can be highly valuable because I think they can understand uh, the needs of their business clients out in, you know, out throughout the business a little bit more intimately than if they're just doing, let's say, uh, compensation work or if they're just doing uh, HR generalist or, you know, the compliance type work. They may only understand those problems, but typically TA gets a look at the larger scope of problems of why people are needed, why people are leaving, why people don't want to come in, those types of things. So it's a, it's a good experience, but by, by all means, if, you know, if somebody's not interested in it, they shouldn't be pushed into it. That's for sure. Um, I don't, I, I haven't experienced anybody who's like violently opposed to you know what recruiting does like aggressively uh, you know keep recruiting out of my hr department or anything like that yeah um, i think good hr leaders understand the value that it drives to the business so yeah no for sure and especially now i mean i think for sure as we're in this phase that's not an era some may say i've heard the 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 stats that suggest that the great resignation may last the entire decade of the the 2020s and into 2030 which is fascinating i I don't see any end in sight despite what's going on in our economy and and around the world so i'm just curious from your perspective that impact of the great resignation and probably more importantly for our listeners some strategies on ways that they can combat leverage it Take, take it as an opportunity. Uh, I'm just so curious to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, that's a, it, I think it's one of these cases where great resignation has, has labeled or been used as a label, I should say, for some, some fundamental shifts in our workforce and in our, our labor availability. Uh, COVID drove an inordinate number of older workers out of the workforce, um, primarily voluntarily. And I think that's where the great resignation label came from. But it also drove some real shifts in labor access and availability and things like that. Um, So 
uh, immigration plays into this as well. Immigration is a big part of how we build workforces in many industries, uh, both here in the US and globally. Uh, having access to immigrant labor in, in certain areas, whether it's in the US or in other areas is vital to some organization's success. And if, uh, if policies are driven to reduce that access, you have to, you know, you have to relieve that pressure in some other manner. So there's, you know, uh, the workforce demographics of the shifting generations in the workforce play into this as well. So I think off the top of my head, those three kind of primary drivers are really shifting. And I would tend to agree with your comment about a, a 10 year workforce change cycle that we're seeing here. Uh, I don't have any illusions that this thing is, is going to just, you know, kind of poof resolve itself and then be something else, uh, you know, a year from now. I don't, I don't think it's that uh, transactional. I don't think it's that quick. But as far as really developing solutions for that, this is a time where business leaders need to really understand and be able to communicate amongst their leadership teams what the priorities are and how they're going to go out and really execute on those priorities because if they involve access to people, access to talent, access to certain areas, regions, demographies, it, they have to be really, really tight internally to communicate what those needs are gonna be because you can't have a certain part of business leaders going off in one direction and then have your people side to the business not aware of what, uh, and I've seen that happen. It, it's, and it can be problematic. It can really create some you know, short-term, mid-term and long-term challenges in the business when that happens. So I think that the number one solution for organizations is to absolutely have great leadership communication around what the priorities are and how the different stakeholders are gonna execute on those priorities. Absolutely key. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I can't agree more. And I think the interesting thing as you were sharing that, it's kind of, we all heard about the baby boomers and the massive size of that sure. generation and what would happen when they would leave the workforce. And then as it would so happen, they threw COVID right in the midst of the time where all those right. retirements and, and the and the, the the kind of recession of 20, 2008 to 2010. Mm -hmm. So we've been in this really unique spot where it's it's uh, we've had not only the 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 massive number of people that were going to retire, but then some unique economic and social and health related risks that came right. about, and then the newer generations that are coming in are doing things differently in a way that uh, you know they're 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 putting their priorities in different spots in in my opinion, and maybe looking at their parents the way they worked differently than they want to uh, put as a focus on their work. So it's 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 a very unique time. And as you said, you, you can use the word leadership and kind of bringing those groups together. I see HR in the perfect spot to, to ensure that there's clarity around those priorities 
and that they have a plan on how to effectively execute. And it's look 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 at the chance they have to to shine when their CEO goes to a meeting and another CEO is like, we cannot find one person in these key roles. And then the CEO that's got successful HR is like, you know, we 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 sort of kind of have it figured out. You know, we got other problems, but right now it's not a major right. issue for us. So I think that's pretty cool, pretty cool spot. Well, hey, Frank, I got to do it. It's uh, time for our shameless plug to Willery. I want to thank them for their continued support uh, as, as we put on the podcast, HR Like a Boss. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search and staff augmentation service, along with a unique client-side HR technology consulting practice. So if you're listening out there and you're struggling to find talent in your HR and payroll department, or you're not getting the return on your HR tech investment, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right. I did it, Frank. It's always unique for me. I try to be like a radio talk show host when it comes to that. I don't have that memorized yes, yet. Maybe I will at some point, but we'll get there. <laughs> All right. That said, let's get into uh, our next question, which and this is kind of the, uh, the hot uh phrase, at least in the last month or so, thanks to TikTok and TikTok videos, which I, I learned more about as a result of this. But uh, what, what do you think everybody's <laughs> talking about this quiet quitting? Why, why is this a thing these days? Yeah, this is, this is an interesting dynamic. And I, it's one of those labels that it depends on who you ask what the heck they're talking about. I, you know, my, my understanding of it is this is a definition of people who will only do what's prescribed by their role or, or what they were hired to do. And I'll tell you what, you can give me 10 of those people or 100 of those people, and I'll be fine with that because I don't think that we should build unrealistic expectations organizationally around each individual that comes into the organization, we should have stated and documented expectations of what the role is designed to contribute to the business. And if a person is doing what's necessary to fulfill that, my gosh, give me, give me more, you know, give me more of those people. They can quietly quit all day long, but if they're doing, and that's again, my understanding of this label. I don't know if other people take it as something else, but that's my understanding of it. Um, I'll, I'll take that all day long um, yeah. because what, what I've seen happen over my experience in dealing with people is that people who do want to do more are going to do that. They're going to find ways to contribute more. They're going to have a design on their own, you know, development, and they're going to have an understanding of where their succession opportunities are. But we shouldn't expect that for 100% of the workforce. That's unrealistic. We should expect people to do what they were hired to do. I think that's certainly legitimate. And if people are doing less, we should have an understanding about how to how to enable, you know, corrective action around that too. So what do you do in that case if the business hasn't been clear in any way or the business has changed what expectations are in somebody three times in their first three months of employment? Situations like that. That's like, well, come on, you've got to have a better people side of the business. 
i.e. HR, put in parentheses HR there, uh, <laughs> and you've got to have those folks trained in how to identify that, and not just trained in how to lawfully terminate them, for goodness sakes, trained in how to help them contribute what they expect to be able to contribute to the business, because that, you know, that lack of good communications can certainly bite any business in the backside. Yeah, no, it reminds me just like most things in my life, because I grew up doing doing them and semi obsessed with them at times is the sports analogy to business and I apologize for those that get annoyed by that at some point but it, it's to me like expecting every player to be a superstar and to be the best player on the team. When you look right. at any professional sports team or any high school or any, you know, junior team, there's there are really good star athletes there's what they might call as role players then there's people that are uh, you know on the bench and then there's people that probably shouldn't be playing the sport or end up getting cut right. or aren't in the league because of their ability or their attitude or whatever and that to me yeah. like you said to me quiet quitting aligns to a role player and if you look at like i think of the Cavs championship run in 2016 the reason why we won that is the quality of the role players we had were really good and they yeah. did their jobs well and they accepted yeah. them and everybody applauded them for what yeah. they did and then lebron and kyrie and kevin love did their thing right yeah. so yeah give me richard jefferson and yeah, exactly yeah week. channing fry right channing fry all exactly. day long tristan thompson exactly. yeah exactly in yeah. the in the vernacular of business, what I've seen is the the classic typical example of this is the the sales manager who shows up at my office and says, "I got I got an opening and I'm looking for a real A player. I, I only want to see A players." And and you immediately think to yourself, "Dude, you're not an A player. Why is an A player going to want to come work with you?" I mean, just help me understand that so I can understand how we're going to fulfill the needs of the business here. <laughs> yeah, no, great. So it happens. It happens. Yeah. Not everybody in business is an A player and not everybody needs to be. To your point, a, a team, a good team has really understood and communicated roles and people that contribute at various levels. Yeah. That's and what's if, more if, successful. Yeah. And even if you look at it again, back to the sports now, some of these super teams, they don't work out. They don't, they don't win. They don't do well. They don't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round and the whole world ends because how in the world could these four or five great players not, not be great. Right. So right. anyway, we could talk, probably talk about that uh, the rest of the show, but we'll, we'll keep back on to the, uh, the HR related, <laughs> like a boss topics. You've used the word lead leadership. Uh, several times on the show so far, Frank, and I, I'm just so curious to get any of the suggestions that you have at how HR can support uh, an organization's uh, leadership and managers to develop them into being really effective at what they do. Yeah, that's boy, that's the 99 cent question always is, you know, because I think a lot of organizations do struggle with that. And there's, there's various reasons for it. A, a, an organization can typically have, you know, for a first line manager opening that comes up, your typical reaction is to look across your top contributing individual contributors, your highest performers. Hey, if I'm looking for a sales manager because 
a sales manager just left my organization, the very first thing is to typically look across the, the sales organization for high contributors. But that's got nothing to do with the competencies of how to manage and lead other people. And that's where it becomes dangerous because there's a there's difficulty in assessing what those competencies are. And I think some companies do it better than others, but I think it's, it's highly cultural. It's not standardized. What works at one company doesn't work at another company. And that's something that hiring managers really need to get a hold of. Man, if hiring managers can get a hold of that, and understand that a high performer at company A is not necessarily going to be a high performer at my company. There's a different environment. There's a different culture. There's different tools in place. There's a different relationship set that they may have with their leadership team. There's so many different contingencies on that equation that it's not automatic. And I think really companies tend to rely on past experience and high result past experience, maybe too much in how they recruit for positions in their own environment because it doesn't always translate. Uh, in fact, there's lots of instances where it simply doesn't translate. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't come over and make that person an all-star over here. So having an understanding of the cultural aspects of success is really important. Yeah, really, really cool. That's really awesome. Hey, Frank, the podcast is HR Like a Boss, which I know you know. The book that's coming out in 2023 is also under that same title. So I get all my guests out with the same question. You've been awesome. I appreciate you being on the show. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Doing HR like a boss has to be bringing along other leaders and leaving, leaving the place better than you found it. I've always said that if you can leave an organization, a team, a department, a company better than you found it, you're a good boss. You're doing okay. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, Frank, you made a couple really great points uh, throughout our time. I, I really appreciate you being on, on the show. You talked originally about the, the importance of HR leading the people needs of the business. And when we talked a little bit about recruiting and getting into that from a TA perspective, make sure you're putting your energy in something that you enjoy, have a passion for, not necessarily something yeah. you feel like you have to do. You also made a great point around galvanizing the entire organization around priorities and execution when talking about the great resignation and how, how do we how do we do this thing from an HR perspective to support the business. The importance of leadership communication and clarity on on all challenges and a last great point around considering the cultural aspects of your organization while selecting and developing your leaders because it'll be different from one organization to the next. Frank, I had a great time. I learned a few things along the way, as I usually do. I hope you enjoyed your time on the HR Like a Boss podcast. I did, man. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review, or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. 
Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.